Hi. And welcome back, you toast-munching degenerates. It is so good to have you. What's even better to have is a guest who isn't already our best friend yet. <laughs> isn't that right, Clodog? That's right. Woof. Sorry. Old habits. <laughs> wow. Okay. I think maybe that's like a bit out of context. Imagine yeah. just no, 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 parking. No, no, it's, we haven't introduced you, so as of now, you're dead to the world. So okay. soon, soon. But it's it's usually this part of the show where we see fear in our guests' eyes and they start reliving every sort of poor decision they've made in their life and why that has led them to Kinzito sometimes. But we are most certainly here for it. And today's guest, many call a marketing genius. Some just call her a genius and even fewer call her marketing. <laughs> <laughs> If you have any idea of what Rocking the Daisies is, or even a brief idea of what music is, you probably owe today's guest a, a mighty big thank you. You may give us cash, but if cash is a bit tight, we'll settle just for a like on the video. It is an honor to have you today. Zetu, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having that. The best intro ever. Thank you. <laughs> Oh my word, um, my mom wrote half of it, so... No. Amazing. Sam my almost starts... love me. <laughs> really? Mom. Mm. Oh my gosh, I'm parental gold. Oh, amazing. How I met your mother or friends? Friends. friends. No, 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 controversial. Sam, That's a new Sam word. Sam doesn't to like To be honest, friends. I only said that to stay current and seem cool. I didn't like either one of those shows. They're too white for me. I thought you were going to say I didn't watch it. <laughs> no. wow. I tried, I tried. Mm. Um, it's, they're unrelatable. Mm, also... Yeah. Uh, friends, the concept of friends and a lot of its storyline was stolen from a black show. No way. It is inspired by a black show. I forgot what the name of the show is, but Must find I think out. your viewers should go Google where the concept of friends came from. I would 100% watch it's that. It's one of those things where a black show in America was coming on the rise and friends adopted the same storyline and concept and friends took off more than that show but that show is very well known in the black community particularly in the states usually we don't stop dropping truth bombs until yeah. halfway through Hi. <laughs> so lovely to be here Hi. today some of your world perceptions will change <laughs> no but that's that's one because the biggest um thing that i've heard about blackish in mm. from the mainstream media and i thought blackish um was hilarious but everyone was like it's just a ripoff of modern family and i was like <gasps> so is. now Wow. Okay. Chloe, having heard this, are you ready to boycott mainstream media? Yes. Okay. What are, what are some big steps you take? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, are we mainstream media? Is there to feel free to weigh in on this? I think we wish we were. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I think the most mainstream thing about you is probably the background color, and I wouldn't change that for the world. Mm. Um, I'm not ready to boycott mainstream media. It's entertaining because if we boycott mainstream media then we're left with the ronaldos of the world <laughs> See? Sure. ronaldo and his um mlm punting is hilarious he does like this yeah, not, to, not to mention this the sexual allegations chloe yeah yes. let's also keep it brief you don't want to be a podcast in a podcast <laughs> <laughs> wow she's already calling us out for our own shit there is however i, I will try put the link to this video it is Cristiano Ronaldo, animal abuse. You heard it here first. It, it is, he picks up his golden retriever, yeah. throws it into the pool, and is like, see, I'm not going to lie. The first time I watched it, I couldn't stop laughing because I thought it was edited. 
but it is so and then the dog like comes out and he's like no. laughing and that's that's when I, for the first time i was like yeah i mean it wouldn't be the first time he abused an animal well the last one was human <laughs> <laughs> so glad you said that and not me. <laughs> i'm like poor phrasing wasn't me for the first time here for it <laughs> Okay. He's probably one of the most successful rapists of our time. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Right. The large um, male following don't is shuddering. Don't talking about that? Yes. That's mm. true. Not, not enough. A lot of people excuse it for he was young. Um, I was a huge Cristiano Ronaldo fan. I never knew about this probably mm-hmm. until about five years ago. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a long time. From yeah. that point, I, I was pretty shocked. I was done. Is it Ronaldo? He's knocking on the door. <laughs> He's coming to get um so apologies our our neighbor seems to be either having wild um sexual relations or is doing some renovations. Ay ay ay. Not to worry. Okay. I think it's actually the doorbell being installed. Oh yeah, someone someone got rid of that. No. All right. Bit, bit of a um heavy start, some would say. Yes. Apologies but, for that. No. no, no. Oh no. Oh no, no. What I would like to kick off, get some normality. Yeah. Your show and tell. My show and tell. We're here for it. Do you want to see the show and tell first or do you want to hear the backstory? Whatever you want to do first. Okay. Do you want to tell or I, show first? I'll, I'll show. I'll show. Okay. I'll show. So this is a signed poster by the band The 1975. <gasps> and... Let, let, let them see it. Let... Wow. So um, I used to work at Rocking the Daisies until about you can... Are you guys 1975 fans? Yes. We were literally, I was playing Sam, um, what's it called? Somebody Else. Yeah. I love that song. It's a beautiful song. He sang it in a skirt. I think that was my favorite thing about finally (laughs) seeing them live. Um, So yes, so Rocking the Daisies brought them down in 2019. Mm -hmm. And whenever they brought an artist down, I would go on tour with them along with uh, my colleagues that I was working with. And they obviously were used to stadium size crowds, etc. Yeah. So in the Johannesburg leg of their essay tour, um, the crowd wasn't that big for our in the city festival. So the manager was not only a little up, but he was so angry that there were 5,000 people in the crowd. They knew the whole time it was a 5,000 people festival and it was unacceptable. And at that point, I hadn't slept in days because you work at Rocking the Daisies for three consecutive days, get on a flight, go to In the City and work that festival for a full day. So I was running low on sleep. Um, I developed a wisdom tooth infection (laughs) during Rocking the Daisies (laughs) festival and I had like a giant lump on the side of like I was really Mm. by the the time I had my operation my doctor was like I'm septic in a place where you could die like if it entered um, one of my main blood vessels anyway that's not even the dramatic part of the story (laughs) so at their show it's like 11 p.m. at night and their manager is so upset at the size of the crowd it's like this band is not gonna go on here and we're like you can't do that we paid you you the contract <laughs> like all of these arguments with them and then he's like fine they'll go out and then he's like but no photographers because i think they thought it would oh, be embarrassing oh, yeah. perception oh wow and it's like but you guys knew you were coming to itty bitty festival and then he was like, he doesn't care, whatever. And my partner was mm-hmm. actually locally tour managing them as in taking them to like their hotels across the country, yeah. um, getting them things they should not be gotten. 
Uh, but he was ended up being backstage with them. And he's like, you, pointing at him, throw her over that fence. You take down all those cameras because they were photographers like in the pit and yes. also um, in the crowd. People yeah. who had brought their own cameras yeah. and photographers. And they didn't know we're in a relationship. So <laughs> as we're walking with the manager down the stairs, I'm like, baby, you can't do this. And he's like, I, I have a job to do. And I'm like, you love me, don't you? And he's like, just, I'm just going to put you there. Just pretend. He told me to pretend like I'm taking the cameras down. Yeah. So we get to the fence and I'm like, come on, Martin. Because that was his name. I was like, come yeah. on, Martin. I'm Fucking sure it's Martin. not that serious. And he's like, go. And my poor man had to put me like link his arms like this and I put my foot there. It was a worse strategy and he threw me <laughs> over the fence <laughs> on my oh. side. So not only now did I have this giant lump yeah. on the side of my face and Holy. I got up kind of like <laughs> shrimping. And I pretended with like the first three cameras that I saw. And then yeah. after that, I just went into the crowd <laughs> and I started crying a little bit. Oh yeah. my God. Wow. I feel like everybody wants to be indie. Yeah. Until there's like a small crowd or you played an indie music festival and they're exactly. like, no, no, no. But they, they, I assume they, like contractually, they paid a certain amount. They know what they're getting paid. Yes. Do your job. Yeah, do your job. We're all here to do our jobs. Exactly. Some well, of us are being thrown over fences for our jobs. So. But is it maybe, <laughs> I hate to bring it back to Sue Ronaldo, but is it maybe a case of being too big to fail especially with they there's such a they've got such a claim and have played all over the world yeah and i've got such a standard of what goes on i don't know i feel like if black lives matter had happened before it'd be a lot easier to use that hashtag blm oh, they just care to about force black lives oh, really <laughs> no 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 they're not racist but i'm just <laughs> saying like <laughs> the 1935 <laughs> stop streaming they are so self uh no, yeah. no. Let me pick my words carefully because this is the internet. People can sue you. <laughs> I don't have money to be sued. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> I always see people, whenever I, I watch a lot of true crime, and they're always like, allegedly, because they haven't been charged yet, you know, just to, just to save my themselves. My favorite is when people like, I'm known as a compulsive liar, so do not take anything seriously that I say. <laughs> just... <laughs> To kind of save face. Get out of here. But, this is not a good human being. Yeah. And it does. And it gets more bizarre. So we always give away meet and greets for people. And their meet and greet was happening after oh. their show. So I had to collect all of the meet and greet winners in a little corner. I yeah. had a, we had a little WhatsApp group happening and I had to escort them backstage. I'm limping. <laughs> <laughs> Lord knows what is going on with my jaw. Like I look, I look ill. I look like, are you being paid enough to die? <laughs> wow. Where's so, danger, the danger pay? You know, danger, right? right. Where is the life insurance in the live event industry? No. Point me in that diary or that check. That could be but, one of the best show and tells we've had in a, hey Chloe. I know. Would you say that yeah. was you learned something new every day with Kit? I, I took the meet and greet winners backstage. Oh, sorry, she's still telling yes, the story. Yes, <laughs> no, it, it pretty much ends here, and I have to stop them at a certain point and then travel quite some distance to their dressing room. Yeah. And when I get there and I open the door, there's like this huge cloud of smoke that just hits me, and I'm just like, oh my god, I'm stoned now. <laughs> <laughs> and Martin comes out of this cloud of smoke, and he's like, Oh, you're alive. Oh, <laughs> Those were his words to me. Oh, you're alive. I was like, did you think I was dead? Sure. Like, 
or like or actually days. really badly injured and yeah. no one no he didn't care he was surprised he laughed a little bit and i was kind of i was kind of offended it sounds like you're ready to be uh travis scott's new tw- too soon that's too soon too soon, too soon. That's too soon. Too soon. When, when something like that does and i mean i i've I hate to jump as wildly as this, but <laughs> if you listen to this, you're pretty synonymous with the, the Kets brand. It's it's not too orderly. When something like that happens, what are the sort of like real life ripples in terms of just obviously tragic loss of life? But mm. for someone like in your position, you know, what happens? What How do you deal with that I, sort of fallout? I think we should contextualize maybe what you do yes. in, the, in the live have music business. Have we not done business. that? No, not really. I have several conversations going on in my head right now. <laughs> Okay, I'll provide the context. Okay. So save us. <laughs> I used to work in the live music industry. I still kind of do in a few ways. So I work primarily music marketing mm-hmm. um, and entertainment marketing. So head of marketing, PR, social media strategy for music festivals, large yeah. scale, fifteen to fifty thousand people. Um, so I have wow. have been in those situations where people die at your festival. Um, very rarely you can recover from a death. Someone died at Rocking the Daisies in 2016, but I think it's because it was so accidental. Mm. And was that the drowning? Due, it was the drowning. Yeah, mm. It wasn't due to any neglect uh, by the festival, and it wasn't due to there not being enough safety measures. Mm. It's literally mm. someone who went into cardiac arrest mm. while they were a swimming. Freak. Exactly. It, you know, they just happened um, to be there. Yeah. You have Ipotzoi, which became one of the biggest festivals in Cape Town, where... Well, that one was hectic. They just shot someone in the head um, at the event. There was just a murder. Yeah, what? there was just a murder. Okay. <laughs> Someone's like, I don't remember this being part of the song. Yeah, How so are we going to deal with this media spin? Um, papa. Yes. So when when things like it happened at Ostrich Farm. Um, so when things oh. when someone dies at your event, like murder style, sure. there's no coming back from it. And I mm-hmm. think with the Travis Scott thing, as much as it was the result of many factors that led people there, it, it falls into the murder category. Sure. Yeah, so yeah. I don't, in a situation like that, the best thing for them to do would be not to come back and do an Astro World. Mm. Maybe perhaps rebrand it. Uh, sorry mm. to stray a little bit. Has anyone ever wondered if Stormy's birthday parties will be called Stormy's World? After this, I'm not trying to make a joke, but it's something that's been in the back, back <laughs> of my with, mind. It, what was those those memes where it's like, um, I never trusted that bitch, Stormy. <laughs> she, she was this poor child. I know. But it I think crazy. Travis will 100% um, recover from this. Personally, yeah. as a yes. person who's worked in that side of it, he might not even have to really pay anything. It depends if his festival and his company, Cactus Jack, followed the procedure that most major music festivals do, which mm. they probably would have been collaborating with mm. someone like Live Nation. Yeah. So if he was contracted solely as a performer at the festival, yeah. then his only contractual obligation was to actually perform, perform. the set, arrive mm. on time and leave. Yeah. So whether he was aware of um, what was going on stage or yeah. not, could have, should have, whatever He's technically not at fault. Not liable, um, yeah. So they're going to look at the production company, the yeah. security. I'm sure you've watched so many of these mm, things. Yeah. Um, but as a person who has been on stage while Earth Gang was twerking, yeah. at, <laughs> at <Rocket laughs> Twer- twerking. I can tell you that 
you know, it's so hard. Even though all of the lights are above you and yeah. next to you, it is so hard to see into the crowd as yeah. to what people are doing. Beyond about 20 meters, it's darkness. It doesn't mm. matter how big the LED screen behind you is. Yeah. And that was really... And I've had many instances where I'm in the wings of the stage while a big performer or the headliner yeah. of a festival is and the people in front of me are at least eight to 10,000. You only see maybe 500 yeah. at the most. Yeah. So there are, if there's any feed coming from a cell phone, I guess, not an HD camera, because that would incriminate him, <laughs> from someone on stage, okay. yeah. it, you can kind of prove yeah. that he might not have been able to mm. see that. But it's far. also like all that internet punditry where that the person you can hear the person screaming because the person's there and travis scott looks like the biggest douchebag dude yeah. the robot but yeah. it's like the, the reality where, is that's that you where can't. he's he's douchey you yeah. know um noticing that there's an ambulance coming into the crowd you can't say yeah. you didn't see that yeah. in the oh, middle yeah. of yeah. a pitch yeah. black sea of people you, you would can see, see lights. an ambulance you could yeah. see lights but i also um, feel like he's, and he's the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that yeah, was he literally tells people to um what do you call it to like rush or yeah, to yeah. Mosh he's like, and like yeah and he's like um like uh like break into my concerts essentially yeah. jump the barriers <laughs> no he's literally like sneak he's into my concert very well break into yeah. my concert but let's bring it back i also just we? want to briefly apologize if you if you uh, we will edit this i'm sure but if you can hear <laughs> the knocking. this motherfucker next door banging away i i do apologize and i apologize to you zetsu because it's certainly um interrupting my train of thought <laughs> i'm surviving okay thriving surviving yes, yes chloe what what did you have to say about something to say yes well i wanted to maybe bring it back to the beginning of your career mm -hmm. um where did you grow up I grew up in, I was born in Mount Fletcher and I grew up in Matadiela, but I've been in boarding school since I was nine years old. What? So I grew up in the streets. Well, not in the streets, <laughs> streets, but you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah. although I have a home base, which is Matadiela in mm. the Eastern Cape, at the moment it's in the Eastern Cape, every few years it, the, the border's there. So it's like, here's it, here's it. <laughs> will they, won't they? Yeah, will they, won't they? So Matadiela is where I'm from. It's so, I'm going back there for the first time in two years because of COVID now in December to wow. visit my family. So I'm yeah. really excited. But to get there, guys, yeah, you either take a bus for 24 hours to Kokstad and then from Kokstad you drive for 45 minutes or you take a car and you drive for about 15 hours or oh. you take a two-hour flight to Durban and then you drive for about four and a half, five hours. Are you that guys flying? The, we're flying. I was about to say. It's it. me and two kids. Okay, it's, not a chance. <laughs> Imagine no trying to take way. kids. Yeah. That All Eastern right. Cape route as well is, no yeah, one really talks about it. It's dark, cows, it's dangerous. But I mean, like the, the death toll yeah. on that on that particular, or mm -hmm. that commute back home yeah. from people who live in the cities to the Eastern Cape. No, it's, it's terrifying. So high. I, it's so high. I found out the other day that the cows actually have right of way like legally yes they do they do like you you're, you're meant to stop your car mm. and until all of them have crossed or the you road. can get out of a car a lot of times <laughs> in my youth yeah uh, when a when a car is just like in the middle of the road you know it you knew as a child it's your duty to get out of the car find some rocks <laughs> <laughs> and get that motherfucker 
out the way. <laughs> it's time to go. So what, what we fundamentally do here at Kets is we create art. And I know a lot of our people who listen are on board with that. <laughs> um, our detractors don't really call it art. But we, we try create a portrait. So you, you, you've kind of alluded to the fact that you come from a small town. Yes. And I know from my dad growing up in a small town, there are a lot of people handing out unsolicited advice. Yeah. So I'd like and to in know. in your business. And in your, exactly. Mm. What is the worst advice that you've received from your childhood home? Um, oh, from my home? No, town. Well, well, hometown. Yeah, well, hometown. yeah, that was. Oh, okay. More. Uh, <laughs> my mother might be watching. <laughs> <laughs> With a wooden spoon ready to um, I think it's when I randomly had the idea to move to Cape Town and I I had an interest in journalism from Varsity, came back home. There's no journalism in my that. <laughs> and I wanted to break into that space. I was like, oh, I'll interview people from the community. And ground up journalism. Yeah, funny enough, I was I used to work at Ground Up. Oh. Um, not during my Matatiele days. <laughs> but, Imagine. And whenever I would speak to different people, they tell me that I'm wasting my time. Um, you're never gonna make it out of here. That's the thing with small towns. Whenever you mm. have a big idea mm. and you share it with someone not in your family, no one has that false sense of hope for you. Yeah. <laughs> They're just straight up telling you that you either are not gonna make it or you're being delusional. Yeah. Um, I think my dreams were always too big for my small mm. town. And I've always known since I was young that I want to get out of here. I spent most of my life in boarding school, so mm. technically I was out of there. <laughs> but I meant, like, every time I went back home, I would be reminded of how far I have to mm. work mm. and get mm. to get out of here. And, like, friends that I would make who lived in, like, the metro cities, like a Joburg or a Durban or a Cape Town. Um, I was like, I'm going back to the ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and but so now living in Cape Town, do uh, that's that's our OnlyFans account where we just sell the the street address yes. for the guests. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly cheap, <laughs> but um, do you really identify with that whole sentiment that Cape Town's very clicky? It's got these groups. It's quite hard to break into, or you kind of like fuck that. Um, it felt like that when I used to want to belong somewhere. Mm. I think you feel a place is clicky when you're searching for people to anchor you. But mm. I think when you've anchored yourself, you come to the realization that as clicky as everywhere is clicky. Mm. Um, I would say maybe Cape Town is less clicky than Joburg maybe because Ooh. people are more open to interactions mm. Um, mm. and there's just more walking space. I think when you can walk from one suburb <laughs> to another, it feels less clicky. Okay. Um, but it also depends on what circles you roam in. You yes. look at some event lineups and you can see it's clicky as fuck mm, because the yeah. same guys are being regurgitated yeah. across different scenes. <coughs> Kirsten Bosch summer concerts. <laughs> Change your lineup, please. <laughs> Goldfish. Goldfish. <laughs> the Parlotones. No one even knows they exist anymore. But they'll be at Kirstenbosch. The Parlotones wrote a book. Um, the only reason I know that is that when I used to work at Glamour, it was during the time that their book came out and I had oh, to wow. review it. And? I didn't read it. 
That's like my whole university career. Yeah. Shame. No, I, I feel actually a bit harsh um, saying that about the Parlotones. I think they they hold a, a brief and special moments in quite a few. No, for sure. So Please still come on the podcast. The yeah. <laughs> no, and I love the Parlotones. Khan seems like a very nice guy. Yeah. Morbid. He looks really cool. Morbid. What's his surname? Not Morbid. No <laughs> it's definitely Khan Morbid. My apologies. <laughs> My apologies. But so touching on that, mm-hmm. reality music shows. Yes. Do you listen to them? Or watch I them? don't, but I was probably Kim Kardashian's biggest fan in the Southern Hemisphere when wow. she started keeping up with the Kardashians. Yeah. Again, you would never think this from my social media, mm-hmm. but I'm a huge fan of the Kardashians and I'm able to criticize them. I get the whole pushing unrealistic beauty standards, mm. um, the whole inflating BBLs. Now they've de-BBL'd. Oh, wow. um, I, yeah. I've also noticed they, they've drained the booty uh, um, for um, probably um, more ignorant people uh, such as myself what is a BBL? a BBL is a Brazilian butt lift We've... it is the most dangerous plastic surgery mm. in the world and is now the biggest plastic surgery in the world so they take fat from one part of your body and inject it in another so that's how they got their hourglass figure oh, and their wow. big butts so their butts weren't implants they were merely fat transfers from yeah. different parts of their Samuel, body we've talked oh, about no, this no. on the podcast I, 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 sometimes I don't listen but I do your own that's podcast that's quite something yeah would um, you ever get a BBL Chloe? no it's not worth my risk of my life rather why go to the it, gym why is it a risk to one's life it's just a complicated it's just a procedure very dangerous yeah, so where they yeah. inject the fat back into your butt is very close to an artery that goes to your heart so thousands of people a year die from mm. this procedure and it's now taken the new generation of kids like by storm yeah it's like by storms like i saw this um <laughs> <laughs> i don't care about that fuck that bitch <laughs> <laughs> I saw this I saw this image of um it was like just like this this whole line of women on their way to get their BBLs yes. done, like flying it's out of like, America yeah, to South Mexican America. Mexican airports, Turkish airports. Mm. It's just people on bandages, like, leaning. And obviously they can't, like, <laughs> uh, sit down on the plane afterwards. They're probably in their seat. Yeah, their if butt you've raised. ever been to Turkey... Um, on a plane that goes from Turkey either to the Middle East or Greece. Yeah. Or, or if you've ever laid over in Turkey, you'll notice a lot of guys, men, like middle-aged, yeah. come on the plane with like bandages on their heads <laughs> because it's the number one place for like hair and... Oh, implant. Yeah, yeah, implanting and things like that. Yeah. yeah. These are actually implants. Do you want to feel? You can if you want. Yeah. I might take it and make a yeah. weave. You don't know. Yeah. Is, is this really implants? Implants, yeah. No. Go to Dr. Utka. No, that's if you want a nice pizza that you can just... <laughs> I, I really always thought you. I always thought that was the most disgusting like brand for a pizza, Doctor Utka. What's Doctor Utka? Doctor Utka is like these are not to hate on you, Doctor Utka, because you you make a tasty pizza. Yeah, but it's, it's just, just like a oven pizza that you throw uh-huh. and you get it like checkers, pick and okay. pay. Yeah. But it's I don't like the imagery of a doctor making mm. a pizza. Yeah, and with that we'll be right back, and undoubtedly so will the banging on the wall. <laughs> I think. We should bring it back maybe to Rocking the Daisies. I'm very interested about this. You worked for, How long did you work for Rocking the Daisies? I started working there in July of 2015. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so for seven years I was there up until February of this year. Yeah. So I've worked there with the old owners of Rocking the Daisies and the new owners of Rocking the Daisies. Yeah. When like COVID it, came around, we are like, guys, it's not going to work. I'm going to get a new job. <laughs> There's nothing to mark. It was one of the hardest decisions to make because mm. I I felt like 
I don't know, it became a part of who I was. There was no brand Bible. So, and I did the marketing, the social media, the paid media. I did the PR all by myself. The meet and all greet. by myself. <laughs> the meet and greet. <laughs> all, all, all by yourself. Managing the pit, etc. That Holy. all by myself aspect of it was mostly 2018 and 2019. But it it felt weird to not be that person anymore because mm. the character that was on social media was based on my own personality. Um, a lot of people who have followed Rocking the Daisies on social media will notice that it became more spicy maybe from <laughs> about 2018 because oh, I, I I was doing it all my... Sometimes I did not have time for your shit. <laughs> where do we get tickets? And Fuck I you. Would, I would like fight back, you know, when... I remember one time on Twitter, Rocking the Daisies trended after someone said, um, who does, oh, someone was dissing me, uh, dissing the brand. Oh, yeah. And I didn't have time for this. And they were like, no, they've been to Rocking the Daisies, da, 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 it sucks. And I'm like, oh, really? Because I can't find you on the system. <laughs> and then someone commented, oh, my God, who does the social media here? And I replied, Stefano Demera. Remember Stefano from Days of Our Lives? He was like that evil guy. <laughs> Jeez. You'd be like, whoops, I'm not on my yeah. personal account. And that was the day I was pretty sure I was going to lose my job. <laughs> oh, but my goodness. Yeah, I was with Rocking the Daisies for a really long time. Yeah. It was really hard to leave. Um, mm. I didn't leave because I was unhappy. I also didn't leave because of the pandemic. <laughs> I know the timing, right? <laughs> Guys, it's not uh, me, it's you. Um, <laughs> yeah. I had been freelancing for years mm. in the record label side of the industry, creating marketing yeah. campaigns for musicians and artists. Mm. And really, my love shifted there over a few years and I just never left because I never found the right opportunity to properly get into that yeah. realm um I guess no record label was gonna take a shot at me I, I didn't apply for anything so I don't know what I was expecting but an opportunity came to apply for a job and I shot my shot and I got it this wasn't at was, the ostrich farm no, this was okay. not. A, no, <laughs> Skitty no. Bubble, we got her <laughs> straight to jail. <laughs> yeah, the police are outside. Tell your children you love them. <laughs> Sorry. But I, I shifted. <laughs> my children. Oh my god. Um, yeah, so I switched full time to the label side. Um, I developed a love for marketing, working with musicians specifically at Rocking the Daisies because my job was to sell 15 to 20,000 tickets. And when I was the only one doing the social media, the PR and the marketing, it, yeah, it was stressful as fuck. I'll Sometimes I look at marketers and I'm like, you're con men. I know you don't do anything but have fake I, meetings. Have in the, this is not you. Yeah. No, but you, I mean, you're no, literally the one I, who's peddling tickets. Wow. Yeah, it was it was hard. Obviously, the brand also sells the tickets, but I was also in charge of the brand of image yeah. and the persona online and converting people and talking Jeepers. to them over over DMs. I was doing the social media and then also creating the strategy Trish. for the brand. It was too much. And you almost had to do stunts, jumping over right, thrown over fences. I'm telling you, it's, it's too much. <laughs> who is the who was the most famous celebrity you interacted with? Um, or a musician rather? Celebrities are black. Apparently. Oh, yes. Black, the six one lakh, the Chloe. Six lakh. For all yeah. these whiteies. Um, I also have, uh, my show and tell was between black and the 1975. <laughs> but he was probably my 
my most famous I worked with at Daisy's mm. um, because he was relatively up and coming when he was announced as coming to Daisy's. But in the months leading up to it, he became a superstar. He released Perfect. that album. It went number one. He <sighs> launched a world tour. We were the first stops. So it was like all eyes on the wow. festival. And then boom, you can't bring alcohol. I know. I was about to say, <laughs> yeah. that, that is year. my one experience with Rocking the Daisies. I was going to before show you a video of me in the crowd at Black. It's my only recollection of his okay. performances on my phone. <laughs> I was blackout. <laughs> um, and, but that, that Lee, what a fantastic show that was. Yeah. And just a great Daisies in general. But it also is a segue to probably your what might have been your darkest day as yes. a marketer. And just for context, if people who don't know um, what Rocking the Daisies is, this would have been a <laughs> interesting listen and obviously not that great at your job. But um, <laughs> anyway, Rocking the Daisies is probably one of the most iconic music festivals in South Africa. The whole experience as you go camping, it's just, it feels like December in October and there's actually it Good. was my favorite festival in the world. Oh, wow. Um, ever. I used to be a huge... I was always... I was there, dance floors. Oh, so you just enjoyed I the festival as well? I was birthed in the electronic dome. Um, <laughs> I remember I loved Rocking the Daisies so much. In 2014, while um, there was a, a band on stage... And in the electronic dome and they would just bring Hennessy on everyone and I was like, I gotta work here. <laughs> it was at that moment I was Is like, I need to job? I need to work here. I ah. need to somehow be here where with Hennessy is being thrown at the pitches. <laughs> That's fantastic. So but one of the big core components of this was the the camping lifestyle. So you come in and part of camping, as most South African knows, it's very closely tied with alcohol mm. and you'd bring in your own booze your jungle juice and that's part of the reason why people got yeah. so drunk at daisies mm. because you could drink yes and i will say that well, we'll that's touch on the price people, <laughs> but until in 2018 yeah, can do came out that campaign no booze allowed to be brought into rocking the daisies it was like you couldn't bring your own popcorn so that to is the pool. common misconception i think it's one of those coincidences where People thought it was money-driven, yes. but being South Africa's greenest music festival, the one thing that was actually stopping us from, that could take us from being you know, in the top 20 mm. to the top five was the amount of litter people left in campsites. Oh, really? There was oh, more wow. trash, plastic trash, a lot of which wasn't uh, recyclable because people wouldn't necessarily get empty Aquile bottles because that means you have to buy an Aquile 5 liter to empty it out to put booze in, yeah. which is what some people would do. But they would actually buy the hard plastics where you would put like your gasoline i suppose yeah. or, like, yes. or like milk so it's not like easily recyclable yeah. materials so it's and not a money grab it was to get it wasn't okay um obviously it money's had, involved yes. yeah money's involved but it wasn't the main driver yeah. and i think also the timing of that announcement so how did you deal with this fallout because people were angry oh i got sick man like physically i got physically <laughs> ill because i was doing the social media the pr and everything uh. i and it was my first year as the head of marketing mm. so i'd gone from the head of pr to the head of social and digital and now i was basically in my final form and yeah. i looked really bad at my job <laughs> i don't think 
it didn't I, I think it doesn't matter how good you would have been at your job to face having that to kind of- extinguish those fires and that was the year that we had a line that people could call like the phone was ringing (laughs) my notifications were going off and i was working from home and i i was about i I just had a baby she was about to turn one years old it was my uh, when i only had one now i have two and just so much was happening i physically got ill and i got one of my friends to work and assist me because things got so hectic and she only worked in the month leading up to the festival she also physically got sick oh, like it, there was so much negativity and then and, gold link uh and then got cancelled or canceled. whatever happened with that oh. um yeah it was just it was just a lot it was a dark time sure jeepers yeah. i will say everyone did complain about it that was probably the most fun i've had at a festival ever and the drinks were dirt cheap. They were so cheap. That's the thing that people it was worse, didn't really um they, they didn't think of that. I'll have a when double they looked vodka at that Red big Bull. decision. That'll All people were rand. concerned about is that I can't roll over onto my five liter hot <laughs> wine, my tent wine. Yeah. People, you know, they didn't they love the drama and being a part of the negative conversation mm. to actually realize that even in the cheapest bar in your town, you're not gonna get a shot of dumb for <laughs> 15 rand no. which yeah. is what it was mm. it was like yeah. luxury alcohol at dirty prices and no hangover yeah. oh yeah yeah no it was i remember going we left daisies to do we were we thought we were so intelligent that we had a car full of booze and then we got so drunk outside of daisies that it, and i'm not even we couldn't make our way back in because <laughs> we, we couldn't he, find our way back. This is this is um, a post breakup for Sam. He was, I think, he's in this self-destructive phase. Not uh, our yeah. breakup. Yeah. yeah. I was an alcoholic. I, I'd w- I woke up on the Sunday of Daisies, and um, people came around. I was like, "You say you saw me? Like, hey, Sam, how you doing?" I'm like, "Hey, is that too? I don't know. You guys were at Daisies. So good to see you." They're like, "We spent the whole of last evening together." I was like, <laughs> And that is a is a terrifying feeling being blackout drunk because you can't retrace your steps yeah what a doctor i I, I used to be very much like that as well i went to rhodes university it's such a toxic drinking culture Mm. where it took years after leaving university to be able to like have one drink or Mm. not not drink for effect yeah i also feel like you're the life you're the life's blood of like you seem like that sort of character I, I was i was and i think it was largely driven by alcohol to be the main character yeah. in a mm. room i hate main character now i'm not trying to be a main character. i love being background girl yeah, side quests but when, <laughs> <laughs> just but, background girl with thirty thousand followers but the more, <laughs> right it's always the people with social anxiety we've all come together on tiktok to shine yeah. imagine <laughs> but um being at starting to work at live events and festivals like that you're around alcohol and drinking so much everything is a milestone you know someone yeah. had a great performance it's like woo! yeah everyone's stopping you for tequila in between traveling from one place to another within the event mm. that it just didn't i felt like if i want to be successful here i have to actually just stop drinking completely yeah. and i stopped drinking 
Um, I, I told you guys earlier, I only drink champagne now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really categorize it as drinking. But it's, like, it's like being pescatarian. Yes. <laughs> like only drink yes. champers. Yeah. Yeah, drink no, champers. that's awesome. Yeah. I also think we're going to have, and like I said, guys, keep um, enjoying those big laughs at home during this comedy podcast where we go through alcoholism and <laughs> other deep realities of life. But I think the way we, our generation look at smoking and it's like, how stupid were you? Like, yeah. this was obviously mm. bad. I think we, when we're a bit older, are going to look at drinking and be like, yeah. Oh, yeah, we did that. Yeah. I mean, even now I'm like, I was at a Brian and people were talking about getting blackout drunk. And I was like, yeah, I used to maybe get like blackout drunk once a month. And <laughs> the mom looked at me and she was like, oh, and she literally said like, that's going to have long-term health effects. I yeah. was like, put down the... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, so we're sober now. Um, but you know, when I stopped drinking, I realized how many people were in my life that I didn't like. Because wow. um, yeah. I realized also how repetitive a lot of conversations with people who I was friends with at the time were. You yeah. know, like we go, we, we were meeting up for drinks Wednesday to Sunday, and I found myself cutting that down to about one day a week and then mm -hmm. eventually I just stopped hanging out with some people that I'd been friends with for years yeah. um, a lot of my friends, my closest friends I've been friends with like 10 years or more so we did start in the trenches of roads but <laughs> some of them dropped off along the way because I simply lost interest and realized that I actually, we don't really know each other mm -hmm. A and B because you're always black out drunk by the end of the night you don't remember the conversations you're having and I got to a point where I wouldn't, I would only be able to stay for like an hour or two of hanging out with people because after the two hour mark, everyone is tipsy to getting super drunk. Yes. And, and they're putting out the yeah. same stories. <laughs> and I found myself so lost in the world. Like I was like, mm. what is my personality? Because like, yeah. if I really think about it, I've been heavily drinking since <laughs> I was 19. Yeah. And now at the time I was like, now I'm 27. I'm just, I don't know who the fuck is this bitch? <laughs> like, what do I like? And it made me so sad because I wanted to hang out with people but at the same time that hangout revolved around alcohol mm -hmm. i wanted to do fun things with my friends but on the days that you do fun things which is on the weekend people were always hung over yeah. and i ended up becoming a little bit of a loner and from mm -hmm. there i evolved to just straight up hating people <laughs> <laughs> that's how chloe has chloe's very good with alcohol she's never had a, mm. i a, i also think maybe it's because i've missed out on this isn't to make everyone feel bad but I think I, I missed out on the university experience because I started first year at the start of COVID mm. so I I literally had I think like four weeks on campus and I've just been online for the whole time I'm at UCT no you're not missing on anything so, we don't even remember but no no but I'm saying it's like I haven't gone out yeah I haven't you know I've, I think I've always had a very healthy relationship but isn't that the bizarre thing about being a human being is that it doesn't matter how much respect we have for people telling us things or giving us advice. Until you've done that idiotic deed, yeah, you will think that's it. Like, so Chloe's like, I want to go out. I want to. I'm like, it's not fun. Yeah, but, but you still need you to do go. Crazy rage. things, you know. Yeah. Like, I have a friend of mine. We went to the same varsity 
but we never knew each other until we met here in Cape Town randomly and it turned out we went to the same varsity and she <laughs> dyed her eyeballs green on St. Patrick's Day when we were at varsity, you know, like you, you really do the craziest, craziest things. I once woke up bald in varsity because I thought it was just like a good idea that we were drinking and a friend had clippers and I don't want to shave my head. <laughs> That's <laughs> Wow. And waking up alone in your room and you don't know where your phone is and you're bald. So you can't even <laughs> ask you can't even ask people what happened. You just it's Britney bitch. Oh, Speaking of know. crazy things, yes. Chloe tells me, I don't know where she gets her sources, but people who listen to the show know she does the hard hitting investigative journalism. You gave birth in a car or you nearly gave birth in I a car? I nearly gave yeah. birth in a car twice. Oh, twice. Wow. Should we learn the first time? that's the thing about labor (laughs) (laughs) labor is a complicated thing so i'm gonna first i'm a hypnobirther so i do hypnobirthing do you know what hypnobirthing is does anybody here hypnobirthing is a form of birthing where they believe that there's a pain-free way to give birth and they basically educate you around giving birth so giving birth isn't really what you see in hollywood it's Mm. like <laughs> that's the image that's sold in mainstream media. It's it's far from that. It gets to that point. <laughs> At some point it gets to that point. But it's not it it doesn't have to be that way. Mm. So it's a whole course I guess that you adopt either from the time of finding out that you're pregnant mm. or wherever you stumble upon it where you learn breathing exercises and the fact that if mm. animals like your cats and your dogs can give birth totally zoned out so can you and it essentially teaches you that your body can take the baby out on its own which it actually absolutely can and you can aid it with uh, various breathing techniques this also helps you it teaches you about ftp uh, fear tension pain so the minute you feel fear or any kind of tension it results in pain in the cervix so anything your jaw is very heavily connected to what's going on in your cervix and your vagina and your birthing canals so it teaches you various relaxation modes that basically help you zone out meditate and so that you don't feel any pain wow so the first time that i went into labor I'd been practicing and meditating for Mm -hmm. months. And when we were counting the contractions, yeah, it was getting a bit very uncomfortable. They also, you also have to reprogram yourself not to use words like I'm in pain or the baby's coming. (laughs) 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 And it was my partner's birthday and I'd made all of these plans. Deposits were paid. And I was like, in the morning, I think that I'm going into, into labor. The day before, you could feel it. That one, if you ever get there one day, you, you can, you, you know, something, something's up. Something feels weird the day before. It's like when you wake up seriously hungover, but you don't have a headache. It's like your body's here, but your consciousness is like far oh, interesting. Away in the back of your mind. You get what I'm talking yes, about? Yes. When you wake up and you feel like you're there, but your 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 brain is far away it's almost away. like you're like in a different like portal exactly you're it's like you're in. watching reality from far wow. away so that's the feeling you get the day before you go into labor mm-hmm. i can confirm because it happened twice <laughs> <laughs> i've done <laughs> the study <laughs> so i was like oh no but i have enough spent all this money and it was the kind of things that with the deposit i would have lost like 75 percent of it and i was just oh. like we are going you're staying in there and in the morning he was like i don't really think we should go because he could see like i was getting uncomfortable and i was there like meditating <laughs> this was not happening to me. and that was the day of his birthday and around three four in the afternoon we count the 
distance between the contractions. That's when we realized we didn't Google what you're supposed to do, you know, when you go into labor. We didn't we didn't practice <laughs> the, the contraction counting. Yeah. Like we didn't really prepare the yeah. dilation process, yeah. like how you know. And then we're like, oh no, oh no, they're like three minutes, minutes apart. apart. So because I was relatively calm and in a lot of discomfort, um, I told him, please call the midwife. You talk to her or else it's going to break my concentration. Because I could tell that maybe I am far along because like, I just want to sit like this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't sit like this anymore. <laughs> to be like, oh my God. And she, we told, we tell her, like he tells her like how far along we've counted. Mm. He also discloses that we just didn't practice until now. So we could be doing it wrong. <laughs> She's hypnotized. And then she, he, she asks, the midwife asks him, what does her face look like? And then he describes like, she looks really calm, like uncomfortable, calm. And she's like, no ways. There's no way that, uh, she is the three. There's no way they're three minutes apart. Yeah. And then I don't know, something just went through my body. And I panicked. And that's when I kind of snapped out of the zone. Yeah. And I felt pain. Like, Ooh. I was like, yeah, Ooh. it's it's the birth now. <laughs> and it we're like, we need to get in an Uber. We cannot drive there. Let's go. Call five, the Uber, five stars for call Uber. Call the Uber right now. <laughs> yeah. Ah, but the Uber got stuck in traffic. <laughs> What's so funny about oh, it getting stuck in traffic is, you know, in Woodstock, there's that uh, freeway-ish bridge. And yeah. you always see that building that has a high-tech poster there. Yeah. I used to work at that building, funny enough. And I remember this thought distinctly. Like, I never thought I'd give birth looking at my old workplace. <laughs> and then it was like back to the... Uh, we had like towels laid out. Imagine this Uber. Uber driver. I was trying you. so hard to get back into my zone and concentrating. Sure. But I was now panicking that oh I was about to God. give birth on the freeway outside my old workplace and stuck in traffic. Like, in an Uber. In an Uber. In a, not even an Uber X, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> it was cramped. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. That is fantastic. And as we got to the the place, I told the Uber guy, I can't get out. And that's when I learned you actually can't walk while having a contraction. It's it's almost impossible. Yeah. So every time I would get out of, and they were so close together by the time we got there, I live in Seapoint and my midwifery was in Rondebosch East. That is far. Yeah. 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 I For some reason, I gave birth at the same place again and went through a similar thing again. <laughs> the stars aligned. Yeah. And I would like take a few steps and then like freeze like, <laughs> and then take a few steps. And it was during the day, so there were people just coming in for regular appointments, and I would walk in and freeze. God, this <laughs> and walk in dramatic. and freeze. Oh, so I'm like in the God. foyer of this birthing home, and people are just there for their regular checkups and ultrasounds, and I'm there taking like three steps and like freeze like, and now I'm embarrassed. I'm like, oh, oh they, can't, they can't see me give birth here. <laughs> the water hadn't broken though. That's another That's thing. The weird. water doesn't break. It only breaks when your baby's ready to come out for some people. Some people, yeah. your baby's born, they call it in cowl mm, um, yeah, while that. they're still in the birthing sack. Yeah, so I got there and I managed to get back in the zone um, and the nurses left me. But when they came back, I was already starting to give birth on my own with my partner because they were like, no, we don't think you're that dilated after I yeah. got back in my zone. Yeah, the second time was last year and we forgot that there were the lockdown restrictions. Yeah. And we're like, okay, cool. Um, we'll call the Uber 30 minutes beforehand. And we couldn't get it. And it was Uber. curfew. Yeah, and it was curfew. Oh. And 
Born a crime, Trevor yeah, Noah. And my my <laughs> husband was helping my other toddler to sleep in her room. And my sister was visiting for Christmas just in case we needed to go. I needed to go give birth so she could stay with our daughter. And I was in the middle of like the... the I was near the birthing phase and she yeah. passed out on the couch. <laughs> it was like just before midnight and she passed out on the couch while I'm busy like on the bouncy ball, like trying to meditate and everything. And I remember looking at her like, this bitch, like how is she going to pass out drink someone's birth? <laughs> Who does that? But yeah, eventually we got an Uber and I literally arrived yeah. and I told them to get out of the room. And when they came back, I was like naked and squatting. <laughs> birth is a weird, it's a weird thing you you want to be in control of it and that's mm. the one thing about hypnobirthing is that you know science has made women feel like they're at the mercy of doctors mm. when really your the birth of your child is supposed to be an empowering experience because mm. you're bringing life into the world so you're meant yeah. to be in control there were things i let happen in my first birth like yeah. letting people tell me how to lie or what to do yeah the second birth i was just like i'm just here so that when she arrives she can be checked <laughs> no she's yeah. okay yeah yeah wow and the bounce back is pretty quick like you give birth an hour later you're walking around like but you but you know what freaks me out is like you almost have to give birth twice so i yes. went I, I became fascinated with all things birth when I was probably like 17. I went through this phase. I was just obsessed. And you, you have to give birth to the afterbirth. Yes. You know, you think that you're done. And yes. then they're like, no, keep pushing. It's the, it's the weirdest. Is this from personal experience, Chloe? Do you have a child running around town that are... <laughs> but no, what's, uh, what's crazy about giving birth to the afterbirth, it feels exactly like an orgasm when the placenta detaches and comes out. So you go through this really intense experience of birthing a child. Yeah. And then they're like, yeah, just like cough twice or a few times. <laughs> and then the placenta, like kind of like, like it literally just like, like coughs out, like, like slime, you know, like please slime. That's wild. And, wow. but when it comes out, it's just like, it's just, ah, oh, it's just like, oh my God. <laughs> it like brings you back to life. Like, yeah, baby. Wow. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's crazy. And the hormones that flood through your body after you give birth, it's, you understand why people chase heroin and needles because it's just like, <laughs> or just if, have if, lots of if children. That's what I thought I could get from drugs. I would mm. be an addict right now. Wow. It's one wow. of the most phenomenal feelings. And are you done? I'm done. Okay. I'm, I'm closed. <laughs> All right. That's wow. Chloe, how many children are you looking to have? Sam wants to have five. I think I'll have they three. They want. There was one more than yeah. I said. I is said. Is that a male thing? Like they. I think it's a male feel like thing. creating until, a plan until kids need lifts everywhere. Do you know what I mean? I think it's until kids are there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just have to. I have to drive my sister around. I love her dearly, but whenever I have to give her lifts, I'm like, "There's no ways I'm doing this yeah. for five kids." No, I I absolutely hate children, but I love my children. Yes. My children are amazing. That's yeah. lovely. Um. I go to birthday parties from time to time of other kids. Oh, I dread it. I'm just like, Terrible. So snotty nose motherfucker's going to come grab me <laughs> and ask for something. Uh, so maybe we're going to turn it back with the, the Holmes clan. Yeah. But you also don't want a single child. Those, they always spoil those no, children. Single, single children are the devil. They're so insensitive <laughs> and selfish. Yes, they can't share for sure. Yeah. And they can't think of other people because no one's ever beat them up. You need siblings. <laughs> you, need, you need siblings to know what the world is like. Yeah. To know mm. that people can love you and moor you the next day. Mm. 
Oh yeah. Speaking of people murdering each other. Oh, what a segue. True crime. Hey? True crime. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so we touched on it briefly. I love true crime. Oh, I mean, I don't murder. Like, it's the yeah, way to my heart. I, I don't love crime, but I do love true crime, which kind of means that I do love crime in a way. But I'm one of those people. Crime and natural disasters. It's a horrible thing. But the bigger the death toll, I'm like, give it to me. To me. And I wanted in like an hour long, yeah. like, tell me the story. Mm. Tell me their background. I'll even take the crack ones, the low budget, mm-hmm. like PowerPoint style yeah. Yeah. banners. But, but I've seen on your TikTok, you've covered South African serial killers. And I try to pretend like those don't exist. Yeah. You know what I mean? You hear about them in the States. I'm like, you're shame, hey? Yeah. You know, <laughs> we don't have those. Our, yes. our police force is just not, um, you know, sort of competent enough to work out. Hey, this is probably a serial killer. Yeah, but how many do we have? Oh, have you just covered a few? We <laughs> exactly how many serial killers are roaming? The, the most known ones, they're probably like twenty. But what should alarm you is how many murders are reported in the news, and then no follow-up articles on those murders. So when I'm trying to kind of like look for some serial killers. I'll kind of Google the murders that have happened. Yeah. Most of the time I'll try Google a murder that happened before 2015 to see mm-hmm. did, did they ever solve so many cases of uh, people who were killed, body parts that were found, and there's just no follow-up article. I think we've got one of the lowest oh. um, murder case completions in the world. I don't know if that's a term. And the highest we, murder rates. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some would say they go hand in hand, but yeah. it's mm. it's terrifying. And my dad sent me an article, as all good dads do. <laughs> Obviously, also a Daily Maverick article. And it was about these um, assassins, essentially, that come from KwaZulu-Natal into places like uh, Cape Town, Johannesburg, and they, they will kill for... 800 rand that's another thing that's not and they disappear discussed and they just, because there's no murder Eight weapon assassinations 800 rand 800 yeah. schmackaroonies they'll they'll kill you well i mean that, that whistleblower <laughs> was literally just killed outside of her house yeah it's 800 rand it's terrifying wow it's, we we recently shared some uh, crime stats the on the, on this ca- on this uh, comedy podcast <laughs> and <laughs> dark humor. Yeah, no, it's just um, it's terrifying. And mm. the the political assassinations, mm. it's like you'll read the story again. A lot of these things happen in KZN. It seems wild out there, especially the political landscape. Because KZN, um, as a province in South Africa, has the highest number of recorded unlicensed firearms or like illegal firearms. Really? Yeah. Oh, so it's, okay. it's easy to just. Maybe you shouldn't hold any festivals there. Yeah. yeah. But so we were watching Devil's Dorp <gasps> recently, Devil's which have you watched that? No. You, you, do you know what Devil's Dorp is? Oh my God. No. You, Holy shit. This oh my is God. Devil's Dorp. No, you oh would love God. it. So it's basically a crime spree that took uh, place between 2012 and 2016 in Kruger's Dorp. Oh, wow. But they were satanic serial killers. Like, oh, wow. No, no. Mm-hmm. You ma- really well done, well produced. It's on Showmax, Showmax, I think. Showmax, yeah. Check it out. Yeah. I'll even send you our login details. Yeah, I was about to. It's well, so good. <laughs> I'll send <laughs> you my <laughs> parents' login details. <laughs> Showmax, if you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> Please no, sponsor and, us, yeah. But it's ab- So who is the, who's the most notorious serial killer you've covered in South Africa? Hmm. I think maybe Moses Sitole. Um I think I've heard of him. Yeah. I don't think he's he's very well known, but I think what scares me about him is that he's such a gentle guy. 
like even mm. when when he was appearing in court mm. um photographs of him just his demeanor that's the last guy i'm thinking is going to yield an axe at me you know he's like short he's not that tall he doesn't look angry or aggressive if anything he looks like the guy who as a colleague you can keep just asking him to do shit for you and you'll, <laughs> and you'll never say no maybe yeah. that's what led to all this pent up <laughs> i have to now yeah. take it out um, that that was the so what were his crimes what did he do so he murdered women and he was really obsessed with mutilating them as well. Uh. And I don't know if it's because we have inexperienced police or whatever. They can't tell if the mutilation happened before or after. Oof. Yeah. What? Um yeah. They they would just report dead mutilated. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. yeah, no, he I think is the scariest. And I think the more you watch these Is this the person who was burying the bodies in his garden? Or is that um, someone else you covered? He's also buried someone in a yard of his uh. but yeah a lot of a lot of these people in south africa seem to bury the victims quite close to where they live which actually yeah. which is very or keep smart. them in a fridge in the house like that guy from last week or the week before yeah. in soweto um there was a guy so he invites his girlfriend over this is two weeks ago uh. invites his girlfriend over to come hang out in soweto and he says he needs to go get some things that they can eat for breakfast from the shops leaves her at his house she he's gone for a while so she helps herself goes to the fridge of course opens the freezer in one of the packets she sees a hat and she's like what the fuck is this and she panics yeah so she gets in touch with one of the neighbors because she also lives in the area and also posts in the neighborhood whatsapp group like oh better get here <laughs> and these neighbors all arrive and they go look and they couldn't believe what was there they decide to not look at any more packets after identifying like a foot and Jeez. hand and they wait for him to come back one of the people who was who came to the house is mm-hmm. a policeman he was obviously off duty because he asked one of the other neighbors to go get his hand <laughs> from his house <laughs> but yeah so he they wait for the guy to come back and they're like hey so we heard their body part they just did such a black thing it's such a black <laughs> dad's thing to know what you did wrong but to still be like did you do something no. do you know why we're all in your house right now <laughs> gotcha we heard there might be something in your fridge what's in your fridge <laughs> you know they did that kind of questioning and oh the guy God. said he knows nothing about that and then he also tried to kill himself Okay. Uh, with Jay's fluid um it's a cleaning detergent yeah. it's also known in the black community as a snake repellent um <laughs> if you mix it with water circle it, it around it's your bleach, house right? yeah it's a cleaning agent mm. um also for long drop toilets to like demolish yeah. the smell but i'm just going too far with the Jay's fluid now he tried to <laughs> consume a bottle of Jay's fluid tried to um stab himself a few times in the neck but he survived so there's all kinds of footage of him on Yo, social media uh, floating around on a stretcher and being transported out of this house oh no, no. South Africa is too it's wild. too so okay we're gonna we're gonna try bring it back to a, a happier ending it's a part of the I show I want a true crime I was enjoying <laughs> it yeah yeah no no I, I, I wanted my own true no, crime but podcast it's, it's hectic it's yeah yeah It, but I think, like you said, it's the scariest thing where you see them in the dock and if the person looks like a monster, mm. you kind of go... Like a lot of those American serial killers, you go like, yeah, 
Come on, guys. We knew. <laughs> but it's <laughs> he like, said he was a quiet co-worker. Yeah, he looks yeah. like the devil. But like Ted Bundy, like charming, good looking, mm, yeah. you know. It's sad when you think these people just um, or scary when, you know, they work, walk among us. So we've mm. got, we usually do overrated, underrated. Okay. We think, we figured you're too sassy for that. <laughs> <laughs> you might destroy our overrated, underrated. So we've got hot takes hot instead. Nando's sponsorship loading. Um, they're just still recovering from Gareth. So we're waiting though, Nando's. We're waiting. So your first hot take. Yes. And uh, are you aware with the concept of a hot take? Tell me the concept of it, a hot It's take. just like a... It's like a controversial opinion. Controversial opinion. Or, or uh, I figure just your opinion, really. <laughs> I... Uh, two weeks ago, I my hot take was that the Cheetah Girls was better than High School Musical. That you know was I mean? shot down as a cold take because it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, our first hot take for you, because you've done like an hour long, well, on TikTok, it was about an hour, cultural analysis on AKA. And Costa And Costa oh. But your, your hot take they on AKA. They should not come after me. Oh, really? Does he have a lot of stands? Does AKA have a lot of stands? I, I don't he feel does. like that. He, he, I think he has a lot of keyboard warriors mm. who are stands. Mm. I'm not saying you almost meet me in the streets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what, what's, so what's your hot take on AKA? Um, I think he's peaked. I think as an artist, he's never going to get bigger than what he is now. And it has nothing to do with the tragedy of earlier in the year. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think he has reached his ceiling within mm. hip hop. Like, he's done. He's done now. I love Courtney. Like, Cozy. Who was on that no, track? He that has, was a. He has really cool music, but I don't think he. There's a place for him yeah. to get bigger anymore. And I don't mm. think he has that thing about him that's going to break him into the international market. Yeah. 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 No, I, I. I like really South African hip hop artists I think they become really big and then they become lazy yes and they get comfortable so they start competing among themselves mm. and stop creating hip hop that can contest with the rest of the world as yeah. one of the biggest most highly mm. competitive genres along with pop um, you need to bring mm. your A game and yeah. they kind of sit on the throne and fuck around that's from being honest no I, I was so and the world is more than auto-tune now yes um, there are so many talented quirky yeah. creative yeah. kids out there and juice world was also talented so you can't just re rely on that uh, yeah. auto-tune guys uh, but anyway, if I, you're gonna do it you gotta be young you gotta be well. young mm -hmm. yeah i yeah. i thought i was and we've chatted about it a bit on this podcast in matrika i i thought i was like black i was part of the black panthers a group of like Seven black guys at sex. It, it was, it was a, it was, yeah, this was pre like. Um, Did you want to be a hip hop artist? 100%. Had a mixtape that has never seen a, a lot of days. It was since... 30 seconds of non bars. Were but, you serious about it? Or no. I did you want to be famous? No, no, no. I was like, so Kara Kara was like. Yes. The thing. And I was so in tune with this lifestyle coming from the Southern suburbs in Cape Town um, that my matric dance we um, went in a taxi. Oh, wow. Wow. Did those... Um... You culturally appropriated a taxi. <laughs> but, but, but I almost paid for my sins straight away because when those um, three private school white girls saw the taxi, you know, they're like Aston Martins yeah. and people are going in stretch limos and here comes the taxi. <laughs> I was like, come on, let's get in. And they were like, what? <laughs> so I paid for my sins um, almost immediately, but I was absolutely delusional. Yeah. 
but I thought that's also where like AKA peaked in 2015 and that's sort of zeitgeist. But okay, so you think he's peaked. The ANC, mm-hmm. what are your immediate thoughts about them? I'm not anti-ANC. I just want to put it out. A lot of people think I'm anti-ANC. I'm anti-corruption. Mm. Um, my yep. family has deep roots in the ANC. My grandfather, Bafana Krola, was at Robben Island for nine years. Oh, wow. He was um, a soldier and a mm. commander within Umkondowesi's way. So if there's one person who's not trying to betray the ANC, it's it's not me. A mm. lot of the opinions I voice about the ANC is because their legacy involves my family's legacy Mm -hmm. and to know my family and people that I love lost someone for so long who fought to be a part of a specific movement Mm -hmm. and for democracy Mm -hmm. obviously and see what it is now um ah, these guys need to go they they've lost the plot and I don't think there's anyone good in their left yeah yeah do you think we've also like because of the Zuma era been like and we have such like biases towards people who speak good English. And I mean, that's just uh, a reality in the country. That is the best strategy to come out of the ANC and particularly Jacob Zuma mm-hmm. was to coin the term clever blacks. Because I think that um, as the ANC became more corrupt, they started to create, they realized that black people are starting to become educated. They're starting to become travelers, um, yeah. worldly. They're being exposed to all the experiences that they weren't in the past. So they are able to see right from wrong and make their own decisions. So it is around the time when his corruption started where he would always start using the term clever blacks. Mm-hmm. And that was a divisive measure uh-huh. so that any educated black people who speak out against the ANC, mm-hmm. the less educated, less fortunate black people view them as thinking highly of themselves and less of them. Uh-huh. So I think it's a term specifically constructed by the ANC to manipulate people into not fighting on the same side of history because you I'll speak up about the ANC or other people other content creators or just general human beings who are black and you're met with so much resistance from Mm -hmm. other black people like oh um, why are you talking with that accent why why are you hating on the ANC don't you know what they fought for what they represent but it's like don't you see that this is what they want? They they don't want you to speak up, that you can see that what they're doing is fucked up mm. because they they want us to fight each yeah. other. Yeah. Um, and no one's trying to be better than mm. anyone else. It's like we had different circumstances, but that doesn't make me any better of a person mm. than you. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, there's a reason the textbooks no, still sure. aren't in Limpopo. It's because the ANC directly <laughs> profits of people not being education there yeah. are no textbooks in limpopo and you're still waiting <laughs> no, <I'm not> <laughs> every year there's a headline i just like, feel like i'm so gullible on the show like, <laughs> all this knowledge, I'm like what? no like 80 percent of what we say i think yeah. is just taking the but I, I think we when we ever we have a guest it's fantastic because on mondays where we do cats and Chloe, we kind of know what we're going to talk about people know what this is always such a unexpected wonderful journey where we have mm. this unique privilege of meeting and interacting with someone on this bizarrely personal level yeah. with having where we still know there's a the audience behind us. So it's this, I feel, I don't know, maybe at home you're asleep, but I find, I always find these things. <laughs> I think after hearing fence throwing bird stories. <laughs> no, I, I find awake. them, I find them um, truly magical. And we really 
don't know what we're going to get. And I thought today we've been able and very lucky to have a deep personal insight into some of the things that you've done and the way you think about the world. But again, what I've taken away, even just from this last sort of ANC bit, is how like highly nuanced you are and all these different things you cater to and have going on in your life. And that is my wish for our just just people in general, mm. that they can be nuanced and accept nuance and be human beings. Good heavens. Uh, <laughs> listen to this. Uh, maybe I should run the DA, you know. I'm, I'm like... <laughs> ambiguous enough please please no so just from my um uh side thank you so much for coming today and just sharing all these um wonderful Mm -hmm. tales bizarre it's very you're very brave to come on cats (laughs) (laughs) and and i just want to say for being um vulnerable because i think that um it takes a lot to sort of sit down with us i think we're quite unpredictable sometimes um and yeah thank you for thanks for thanks having me guys i never thought i would share my birth story on <laughs> <in> a podcast <laughs> but we're here now we're here but so i'm out here in an uber <laughs> <laughs> no it was fantastic so of course um you've almost and we haven't had time to chat about it today like coincidentally become a tiktok star yeah and that's just being yourself and i i think that speaks to who you are and so we'll put those sort of links there Guys, I think what what more is there to be said, Clodog? Woof. <laughs> <laughs> Woof, yeah. Um, I, I just want to say to people listening, thank you so much. You know how much your uh, support means to us. There we go. It's lovely to keep <laughs> you guys company. This is We had a break last week. Now we're back with our two-episode bullshit. We will continue on. We've got tons of exciting guests and episodes leading up to December. We might take a break then because we know everyone's drunk. We're not watching podcasts. (laughs) We're out here living. We might do a drunk December podcast. Maybe. Sounds quite exciting. But yeah, do all the YouTube-y stuff. Remember to like, share. Share it like it's an STD you picked up at Rocking the Daisies. Stop saying that. (laughs) Is that (laughs) off-brand? I know nothing of the. <laughs> but from me that's all clodog any final thoughts no yeah just thank you so much for joining us i've i've loved this all we I do is love this. this guys thank you have you are you familiar with we appropriate korean culture so that's a heart that's a heart so you make a little heart with your index finger and your thumb and you go bye 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 <laughs>